league? Oh, man, that is quite the list, isn't it? Um, you know, you, you said Taylor Hall, and it's hard not to pick Taylor Hall, but he's just had one of the stranger career arcs that I've ever can remember in terms of the first overall pick. So I'd love to watch him play again. I was always hopeful that there would be a way to find, uh, to find a way to bring him back in some capacity. I was always hoping for it. another guy. And he wasn't here for a long time now that I really, really liked, which is interesting that his name is, has been tied to the others at times is, is David Perron. Mm-hmm. I love a guy who can get greasy. I love a guy who can get under your skin. And I love a guy who can back it up with goals on the board. And David Perron was one of those. And, he, uh, he he played really, really well in his first year here in Edmonton, and it was almost unfortunate that it didn't work out a little bit better. Yeah, I, I'm with you all the way on that. I think that the, the thing about Perron, uh, you know, I kept thinking, well, he's too slow, and then I see him, and he's still in the league, and he's still not too slow. He's had, you talk about Hall having a weird career arc. Perron is just like old faithful. You know, he, he just shows up every year and does the job, and his style of play it hasn't really changed much. He's he's a he's a agitator. He's physical. He's kind of sneaky with uh, with his stick work, and he's also very highly skilled. He he really is. That's why it's almost amazing that he was. Uh, it was over a decade ago that he was here at Edmonton because he just he bopped around and he's been productive basically everywhere he went. Um, he put up a fifty six point season in eighty two games with the Red Wings last year, and they were not very good. Um, so he's one of those players that I, I've just got a ton of time for him because I, I like the skill mix that he brings, even though he's not necessarily going to burn you wide with all kinds of wheels. So David Perron would be my pick. Uh, I've always really liked Jeff Petrie as well after he moved on. Um, he was one of those guys where I think that we, the Oilers probably sold off on him too soon. So he's another one that comes to mind. But I mean, if you go through the history of the team, there's got to be a sizable handful of those players that you go, man, I wish it turned out differently. You could make a good team of ex-Oilers. There's no doubt about that. Uh, I'm glad Stuart Skinner isn't an ex-Oiler. A lot of fans were looking to trade all the goalies earlier in the year. Uh, he certainly recovered his last 20 games. He's been the second or third best goalie in the entire National Hockey League. Great story here from Stuart Skinner, local guy and uh, top of the world right now in, in a very, very difficult position to play. He's done extremely well. There's so much to like about the story. The hometown kid grew up watching the Oilers. There's a clip of him from a few weeks back where he talks about watching Nugent Hopkins growing up. And I just think that's hilarious because he's a local kid. He knows how much the Oilers mean to this community. He is, like you said, the most difficult position on the ice. And after a tough start, he stuck with it. He did that interview with Mark Spector over at Sportsman a little while ago where he embraces the booze and embraces the chirps because he understands what it means uh, in this city to be an Edmonton Oiler. And to see him get rewarded with some fantastic play and for the Oilers to be rewarded with him as a goaltender, really keeping them in the mix. I look at the game on Tuesday, Al, and after 40 minutes, the Oilers could have been down by three or four goals had it not been for Skinner. So I just think that it's so much fun watching him turn this year around. He is on a heater of all heaters right now. Just broke Rap Pierre's record. One of the greats. Jason Greger asked him the question in the dressing room afterward about how much that meant to him. And his answer, again, as an Edmonton boy, was exactly what you'd want to hear. So I can't cheer for Stu enough. I just love to watch him blossom. And it almost seems like, Al, I want to get excited. It seems like they got a homegrown goalie in the mix now. Yeah. And I don't know that that was ever going to be the case with the Oilers, at least not for a long time. So I love to see it. I'm actually happy he's getting a break tonight. 
Um, I, I do I do get concerned about his, his workload a little bit, but ultimately I think that Calvin Pickard is going to give the Oilers a quality start. He's only had, you know, he, he's had some up and down stretches, but he's also won four of his last five starts. He's got a 9.03 between the pipes. And like you said, Chicago's a little bit undermanned right now. So love the idea of giving Stu a break as well. So uh, a couple of areas I want to go to, and, and I, I feel like a broken record, but it has changed. So, you know, Pickard looks okay. He looks like a capable backup. I don't know if you're going to get a superior one on the trade market. Ken Holland always trades for a defenseman in a year he's contender. Up front, people are talking about a winger and maybe a right-handed center. I, I'm not sure how much they need, and I'm not sure how much they need that is of a high, high level. What are your thoughts right now on what the Oilers need at the deadline? It all depends, too. Like They're so tight against the cap that it makes the, the lofty dreaming trades a little bit more difficult. Though at the same point, I never expected the Ken Holland to be able to acquire Matias at home last year. So if I had my absolute dream list of areas that the Oilers would like to improve, I'd love a top six right winger. Somebody that can kind of come in and score with a little bit more consistency than what we've got there right now. Obviously, Zach Hyman, he's doing his thing. He's having a great, great season on the right side. But I'd love to have another guy who could chip in with a little bit more offense beside Leon. I know that the McLeod, the Leon, the uh, Fogel line was really, really working. But if you can get just another dose of skill in that top six or even in the top nine on the right side, I'd love to see it. I think Corey Perry probably going to moonlight up there at times, whether or not we like it. But that would probably be my area, especially if Dylan, uh, especially if Dylan Holloway can kind of come in and play at center and do it effectively. That could really change what the targets are for the Oilers. But I'd love a little bit more skill. Second up, I would love uh, another right-handed defenseman, yeah. a shutdown defenseman. I don't know that we can go find a Jason Smith, but man, would I ever like a, a defenseman that plays that style of hockey? Those would be probably my two items on the wish list if I had it up to me. Yeah, I remember when Toronto made that trade and everybody said, what a dumb trade. And it was, I think they got two seconds. It still wasn't worth it. Um, Jason Smith was a hell of a player for the Edmonton Oilers. So I, I'm, I'm, because I'm throwing all the difficult questions at everybody this week, I'm going to ask you this because, um, I, like I, I've been here for the last five years. I've seen and written about and talked about, uh, Ken Holland's missteps, the, the Athanasiu trade and others. Um, I also was highly critical of the trade for Warren Fogel. It turned out very well. Um, I find right now that, that, and I know it's been an up and down year. I see a lot of people still angry at Ken Holland and yet the roster is full of it's the, he's, his touch is on this roster from, from not overreacting to Skinner's slow start, uh, to signing Hyman and T.S. Ekholm, a big, big trade for you. How much credit does Ken Holland deserve for this roster uh, and how much blame does he, I guess, take for how long it's taken? Well, that's a tough question, and I'm, I understand why you're asking everybody, because I imagine everybody's just got a different answer. One thing that we got to remember, and I think it's a really, really important thing when we talk about Ken Holland, is that the cap essentially since he got here has been flat. That, that makes a very, very big difference to a general manager who's trying to build a contending team, especially when guys perform and they want raises. I think that one thing that is always going to follow him along is probably the Darnell Nurse contract, even though I personally think that he, Darnell is playing some of his best hockey right now. I think that he's looked really, really effective. And he is now my modern-day Horkov, if you remember, Al, where everybody got mad at oh, yeah. Horkov for signing his big deal. I just find that Nurse is the new version. 
Um, so there, there's some of those that are always going to bother people. Connor Brown obviously hasn't worked out the way we thought it would, especially with that bonus hitting the, hitting the cap next year. But that said, Warren Fogle, I mean, he's contract year Fogel. I get that, but he's looking really, really good. And some of the other players that they brought in, like Corey Perry for free, I bet that's going to make a major difference. Giving Vinny DeHarnay a chance to contribute on the third pairing. Those are all things where it goes within the roster. And now there's obviously some places I think they'd like to upgrade. Um, I would like to see an upgrade on Cody Cece, even though I think he's playing reasonably well. I think he's playing fine. I think that I, I, we could do for uh, an upgrade there. But Zach Hyman is a uh, Ken Holland move. Evander Kane is a Ken Holland move. The Nugent Hopkins contract, which is looking pretty good right now, is a Ken Holland move. So, it's impossible for me to think of his tenure here and not look at a bunch of the good stuff that happened, even though there's some nitpicky items on that trade tree that I probably like to like to have. Like I'd like to have Clint Costin around here right now, but I understand why they don't. Um, you know, I would have preferred that he didn't sign Zach Cassian to $3.2 million, but we never saw 2020, how 2020 went coming. So there's also some kind of revisionist history a little bit, but the big thing for me when it comes to Ken Holland is that flat cap having to navigate that with some of the contracts on the books and being able to compete the way they have. And again, this isn't the Leon and McDavid show this year. There's a lot of depth scoring happening. It's not all power play merchant stuff this year either. And you have to give the GM some credit for putting that together. You also have to give the GM some credit for riding through early in the season when the Oilers were two, nine and one, because he could have really spent some assets trying to make something happen in that period. And to his credit, he was patient he kind of wrote it through and the Oilers kind of figured it out. They did make the coaching change, of course, uh, it, back in mid-November, but those are all moves that are contributing to where the Oilers are at now. And he deserves some credit, whether people like it or not. Yeah. I think I'm, I'm with you all the way. I think that, that a more balanced view than just outrage is important. Uh, Chris Knobloch is just like one of the most popular people in town. I think it's you and him tied for first right now, bag milk. Uh, but let me ask you, what you think about moving McDavid and uh, Drysaddle to the top line with Hyman uh, tonight? One off, or do you think they just want to get a look? I, uh, when I saw that this morning, I, that was the only one where I kind of went, really? Because he had resisted the urge to put those two together basically the entire time outside of a couple of shifts here and there after a PK or you know maybe something needed to happen down the stretch. But he had resisted that urge pretty well. Actually, I think he's resisted the urge better than some of his predecessors because when you have that nuclear deterrent, sometimes you really want to push the button. Um, but I think that the way that the Oilers played against Columbus, especially in the first two periods, it was worthy of a shakeup. Nothing was going well. Um, the, the giveaways, like the NHL site had the list of the 26 giveaways uh, against Columbus the other night, but I feel like that number's light. I feel like they had a big, saver, big sale and there was turnovers for everyone. So I'm not surprised he changed up the lines a little bit, but if I had it up to me, I would still want Connor and Leon on separate lines because I think that's just more difficult for the other team to handle in terms of who's coming over the boards next. Are you going to get Connor or are you going to get Leon? Because if you can shut down that one line right now, and I'm, I'm not going to say it's going to be easy, those are three very good players up there on that first line tonight and dress out on David and Hyman. But if you can kind of keep them quieter, or at least saw it off at evens, you've got a better chance of kind of quieting the rest of the lineup. So I'd prefer to keep them separate, but ultimately we'll see how it goes. Uh, I'm fully trusting Coach Nobby at this at this point. So if he wants to try this and he wants us all to go for the puck line, then I'm all for that too. Where do you see Perry playing in his first game on Saturday? 
that is a fascinating question because I also don't know who's going to come out. Yeah. yeah. Right. Like you, you look at some of the names that may come out, like, is it going to be Matthias Janmark? But he also is quite effective on the penalty kill. I know he's only got one goal. Are you going to take out Connor Brown? Seems unlikely, even though he hasn't scored a goal. Is the candidate to come out of the lineup Sam Gagne, even though he's on pace for 20, playing less than 11 minutes a night? It's a really interesting question, but to, to answer specifically, I'm guessing he's probably going to start third line right way. But what I'm fascinated to see on Saturday against the Preds is which one of those three guys is coming out for him to come in. That's what I want to see. Do you have a guess? Well, I, I'm, I do, but I, I don't want to be wildly unpopular. I think Dylan Holloway might sit. Uh, really? Yeah, and I, the, the reason why is uh, if you're bringing Corey Perry in, you could move Ryan over. He's right-handed, and I think that the, the Oilers – I think right now they're looking at, at what this roster will look like come the playoffs, and I think Holloway will be the fourth-line center, but there was a little wobble in his game the other night. We'll see how well he plays tonight. Um, I, I'm, I, I hope that's not the case. I want to see Holloway play a lot, but we'll see. And, uh, you know, an all-veteran lineup, I think, in in his own mind, Ken Holland always sort of leans towards the veteran. Uh, we don't know Knobloch that well yet, but that's my guess anyway. What's When does Frank do, or has he already done it? Well, so he hasn't done his pick yet today, but what I've done so far is I've got the game notes from OilersNation.com. Gregor had those up bright and early. We've got the, the game day article up at OilersNation.com. So I've fed that over to Frank. I printed him off some copies. I put it down for him next to his water bowl so he can kind of come in, have a little drink, have a little read, have a little think. And then when I get home later this afternoon, we'll be Frank's pick because he has now won five in a row, Al. It's not just the Oilers. Though. Wow. Frank is hot. And you don't do anything to um, help him. There's no trickery, I promise. I like I I've, I've done Frank's picks in front of a handful of people, and they always think that there's some kind of trickery in I just sit there and I set him up and I tee him up with his keywords and where he goes, he goes. So Frank is a free thinker. He's a, he's a money line better. And so far, at least lately, he's on the any good amount of money. Well, I, help but, trying to get I mean, we love him. You know, anyway, I just think as the fact community- that he's right just makes him, you know, more compelling. Well, and it's also pretty incredible if you think about it, because it could honestly go either way. And the fact that he's won more than he's lost now, I think he's 26 and 17 on the season, something like that. So he's kind of turned it around after a slow start. I always always find it funny. I always find it comical. It's one of my favorite things. Five years in now to Frank Jackson. We would have a great time every game. What I would like you to do is, because I think it would be funny, if he was 27 and 16 or whatever it is, and Yaremchuk was 16 and 27, so maybe we'll start making up whatever your Amtrak's guesses are. Uh, and, and we'll just run with that, even if it's not accurate. Well, it's something to consider. Yeah. You know, I think, who who do you ultimately trust more when it comes to picking a winner straight <laughs> up? Is it the dog or is it your Amtrak? It's a tough call. Thanks, man. Appreciate it.